Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. This is the Cashflow Hacking Podcast with Casey Stubbs, where you will learn the tips, tricks, and strategies to increase your cash flow. And now to your host, Casey Stubbs. Hello, this is Casey Stubbs, and today we're with Tim Pachote, the founder and CEO of the Liberty Advisor. He's a certified financial planner. Thanks for being on the show with us, Tim. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your show, Casey. So you're a, a financial planner, and you call your site the Liberty Advisor. Uh, how did you come up with the name Liberty Advisor? You know, I've always been into into freedom and been uh, and really kind of if I go down the rabbit hole of how I how I got into all this is, you know, I was on a class that won the national competition on the Federal Reserve. You know, I was really brainwashed into, you know, thinking everything they were doing was great, thinking that you know everything that was coming out of Wall Street was great and really admired these guys. But then I graduated in 2008 and everything that they had told me, you know, couldn't happen. I was basically right in the midst of actually started my career. September 15th, 2008, which was the day Lehman Brothers went down. And uh, and then I, one day a guy happened to ask me and said, you know, hey, you know, the Federal Reserve is private. I thought that he was full of crap, went down this whole rabbit hole, found out that he was actually right. And then ever since then, I became more of like a freedom activist. And so liberty is, you know, both in the, you know, the freedom sense, but also, you know, freeing, you know, you, know, you can't be, you know, you can't be free, you know, if you don't, you know, if you're indebted to other people and if you don't have, you know, peace of mind with your own money. Yeah, that's very true that financial freedom is really important, but also uh, having understanding of, of truth around you is important, too, because you said that you didn't believe the guy um, who told you about the Federal Reserve yet. You went and researched it. Uh, I think what I've found is a lot of people, they won't believe you, but then you know, you hear something that's countercultural, but rather than doing the research to find out whether they're right or wrong, they're just going to dismiss it and not say anything at all. Just say, no, that's not true and not do the research to find the truth. Absolutely. I hope that everybody who's listening to me right now doesn't believe anything I say and they go research it for themselves. But if you don't want to research it, then you can just take my word for it. But, you know, ultimately, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't. Some of this stuff sounds really crazy until you actually dive a little deeper and then realize, oh, wait, you know, that crazy guy that maybe isn't so crazy after all. And, and now a lot of the stuff that I was saying that sounded crazy five, six, seven years ago, now is like commonplace. So, you know, it's good seeing, you know, society, you know, starting to shift and realize, you know, you got Kanye West out there just the other day saying, you know, we're all mental prisons and, you know, we're basically conditioned to think certain ways uh, and we're taught what to think. And, and so it's great that people are finally starting to realize this, even if it's not as much as a percentage of what I would like it to be, at least I think it's starting to head in the right direction. But you've almost got like two sides going on. You got one side that's digging in deeper, you know, getting more enslaved. And you got the other side who, you know, is trying to fight back against this. But, you know, we're being censored online and all sorts of other stuff that's going on. 
Yeah, and I have a very similar um, situation as you. Is I ran into someone, we had a conversation. He was telling me things about the IRS and about the tax policies, and I basically told him he was literally crazy. I mean, I told the guy he was nuts, and um, I ended up researching it on my own, and I found out he was right. And so, you know, you just the crazier it sounds, that means do more research. So, anyways. We're, I want to focus on, okay. on financial stuff because this is a financial. I want to help people get that financial freedom. I want them to make good financial decisions. And uh, you've been working with the crypto space right now. Uh, how, how do you recommend people get involved with cryptocurrency? I mean, first off, like anything else, they should know what they're getting themselves involved with before they invest in it. So just don't, I mean, because really what you saw is really from about Thanksgiving timeframe to Christmas, things got really stupid where all of a sudden everybody was asking me about crypto or asking me about Bitcoin. And the only reason they wanted to get into it is because they heard the price was going up. And so I would ask people, I'm like, well, what do you know about it? They're like, well, you know, I heard it's going to go to a million dollars of Bitcoin. And so... That is the worst reason to get into it that, you know, and again, really what you should be doing is you should have some sort of game plan where you say, okay, you know, I've got everything else set aside. I've got, you know, I've got a plan for paying down debt or I've got a plan for, you know, saving up for you know a house or I've got a plan for putting away money for retirement. And then you should take some extra money after you've researched this to then, you know, decide if this is something you want to get into or not. I do have, you know, as an offer for your guests, if you go to thelibertyadvisor.com, forward slash uh, finance and markets. I've got a, a crypto video guide on there as well as a few other offers as well, all free where it's what I, it's about 12 hours of what I deem are some of the best videos that I've run across to really kind of catch people up to speed. Even if you are, you do know quite a bit about this. I think that people would still benefit from uh, watching these videos. But if you don't know a lot about it is I'm actually in the midst of starting up a company which should be live any day now. Arizona just needs my fingerprints, but they have to, uh, this whole big story of how long it's, it's taken forever to get this done because of government. And uh, anyways, we should, probably by the time people watch this, we will be live. So this is, right now we're in the first week of May. So if you're watching this and it's, you know, June 2018, odds are, are to be live. But you can contact me and we could actually uh, help you invest in the cryptocurrencies. And that way you can help leverage my knowledge in this space. And uh, we can even do crypto IRAs as well through the self-directed IRA uh, approach. Okay, and so then uh, cryptos is a l much different than the traditional stock market uh, type IRA. Are you thinking that that's like is is your analysis saying that you believe it's a better investment than in the stock market right now? I mean, I, I wouldn't put probably more than ten percent of my you know net worth into something like this. And there actually is some research uh, that was out there that Tom Lee of Fundstrat. Who was a former uh, quant at J.P. Morgan? He came out with some research where basically it showed that someone who had a typical 60/40 portfolio, and then it compared it to somebody who had, you know, and what I mean by 60/40 is 60% stocks, 40% bonds. And I'm sure a lot of people out there already know this, but in case you're new to the show, so then if you had one where you had 58% stocks, 2% Bitcoin, and then he had another example where it was, you know, 555 and then 5% Bitcoin. Then he had another example where it was. 50% stocks, 40% bonds, and then 5% Bitcoin, and 5% just a general index of the top 10 largest cryptos out there. And what they found was in the 58, in the 2% Bitcoin example, it actually decreased your overall volatility, which sounds crazy, 
but because it's not correlated to the stock market or correlated to other assets, they found out that putting a 2% allocation to Bitcoin actually decreased your overall volatility, decreased your max drawdown, and greatly increased your returns. And there was the same story all the way up until 10%, where 10% only barely increased your volatility, but it like trip, almost tripled your return. And I do have a video on this uh, as well that I did make, uh, kind of breaking down the numbers a little bit better. But I, I think it's, you know, it's a way that this technology is, is absolutely game, game changing. Uh, I think, you know, there's probably 2,000 of them out there, right there around, around the 2,000. And there's probably 1,950 of them that are crap and should go to zero. And just like in the dot com bubble, you know, a lot, there's a lot of pets.coms. There's a lot of crap that was out there. But if you held on to, let's say Amazon, you know, not that they're like most people we are talking about freedom, you know, probably one of the least freedom oriented companies out there. But if you had Amazon or Apple or Google, it was a trifecta of freedom oriented companies for you. But if you had those companies and you wrote it out, you know, today you're sitting pretty. And, and yeah, at one point, Amazon did go down to, you know, like three, four bucks. But now I'm not sure what it is today, but it's probably, you know, closer to $2,000. So, you know, take caution, you know, especially if you're close to retirement, you don't want to just be throwing, you know, all your money into this. Uh, but, you know, working with somebody like myself can, you know, help you assess what might be appropriate allocation. And it's just trying to hedge your bets. So maybe you put, you know, five to 10% in this bucket, but then, you know, there's other buckets we have to create as well, because I think we're in a crazy time period right now. And I'm not sure if you wanted to segue into, you know, some of the contrarian views of stuff that I think are going on right now. But uh, I think that, you know, there's a big, you know, a lot of complacency and a lot of people are thinking that things have never been better. And uh, I don't really buy that, that narrative, which is one reason why I like uh, cryptocurrencies. Yeah, and when you say contrarian views, I'm not really sure exactly what that means, so I will ask you about it. But I was just reading this morning an email about um, all the crazy activities that's happening um, with business investing, like um, like companies like Uber and Tesla, companies that are losing billions of dollars, and yet we have these angel investors that are throwing uh, millions of dollars into these companies, and the and they're just wasting money. They're act, they're partying, they're doing crazy things. Um, and to me, that's like a sign that we are in, in, we're in for a wake up call. Yeah. A lot of this was really started by, you have central banks who from 2008 to 2014, at least here in, in America, were printing just absolutely insane amounts of money. And then as soon as we stopped printing money, uh, literally like two or three days later, the bank of Japan then started printing. They ramped up their program exponentially. Then about two months after that, the European central bank started printing money. And so it's like sort of this like hot potato where, you know, okay, America, it was your turn to stimulate the economy for seven years. Now we've got to let the rest of the world do it. And now, um, I'm not sure if you want to segue into this right now, but, you know, I see what the central bank's doing is completely distorting the market. And when you distort the market, you then encourage people to throw money at things that people don't deserve to have money thrown at them. And, and at the end of the day, people will lose a lot of money. And I think what the Fed is doing right now is really the, you know, the could be the absolute catalyst to help pop this, uh, pop this bubble. Okay. Well, that's good. So the bubble, I, I, it's a contrarian view. That's really good. But if you're right, what are the dangers that people that are retiring going to face and what can you do to diversify, protect yourself? Uh, it seems like there's maybe nothing you can do. You just got to suffer like everybody else. 
Well, I don't, I don't think there is uh, nothing you can do, but, you know, the people who are going to be hardest hit by this are the people who are like what Prudential calls the retirement red zone. That's somebody within five years of retirement or somebody that's uh, already within their first five years of retirement. And it's funny because I only listened to, uh, I listened to like a few minutes of one of your previous guests and he actually mentioned, st sort of stole my thunder a tiny bit because I was going to mention sequence of return risk. And I think that is the, one of the biggest risks people face. Uh, because it doesn't really matter what your what your average return is. It only really matters what your the order of your returns. And one of the best examples of that that I can give, and I do have this. This is another. Uh, I got the full presentation as an offer for your guests as well on uh, the LibertyAdvisor.com. Yeah, and uh, this slide, we're actually going to show this slide too. The one, the sequence of returns slide, because you sent it ahead. So we'll show this on the video also. So. Awesome. Yeah. So there's three of them that we had. And one of them, what it shows is if the market goes down, let's say 20% and you're withdrawing 4%, which is a typical, cause we all, a lot of people have heard of the 4% rule where you take out 4% of your portfolio and then that's supposed to get you, you know, nice safe retirement. The problem is if you're already withdrawing funds and the market goes down 20% over the next three years, you have to average 42% or you have to make 42% just to get back to even. And so for a lot of people, if they've already taken on more risk than they can handle and the market goes down, they're going to sell at the worst time possible. I had mentioned I came into the business the day Lehman Brothers crashed. Uh, prior to that, I was running my school student managed investment fund. I didn't, wasn't really aware of Austrian economics and all the freedom stuff that we just already mentioned before, but I was in charge of finance, picking out financial stocks and I just didn't really believe what was going on. And I put the, that entire allocation into treasury bonds and we had one of the, and I got chewed out by everybody. This is 2007. November 2007, uh, again, I graduated in 2008. And so that fund had one of the best returns in all of America, meaning they lost you know, the least amount of money because it was 2008. And now what I see going on is you know, even, even worse. But getting back to sequence of return risk, you could have two investors, they both average the same return. So they average, let's say, uh, in this example, 5.1%. They have a 60-40 portfolio. They're withdrawing $50,000 per year. And so one person starts off with three bad years and then has seven good years. And one person starts off with seven good years, then has three bad years. And they're just the inverse of each other. And what it shows is one person ends up after 10 years with $630,000. And the other person ends up with a little over a million. And they both average the same return. And probably the craziest example of this is another slide that we have here that shows, again, the 60-40 portfolio. They both start off with $500,000, withdrawing a little over 4% per year. And one person retires in April of 1970. After 30 years, they end up with a little over two and a half million dollars. Another person retires one year earlier, so April of 1969. They, after 30 years, portfolio is right around the half a million dollars they started at. And another person retired January of 1969, and they ran out of money. And so they all did the exact same thing, were invested in the same indexes, and one person ran out of money after 30 years, had no money left, another person had two and a half million. So I'm trying to help people manage the sequence of return risk. But that's not the only risk that's out there. You've also have interest rate risk, meaning when the price of, when the interest rates go up, the underlying value of the bonds go down. And I see this absolutely can wreak havoc with people. Uh, so if you've got a million dollars in a 10 year bond fund, rates go up 1%, your, your principal now goes down to 900,000. Now, after 10 years, you get your money back, but by then the horses might already be out of the barn. So, uh, not sure if, so that's one of the biggest risks that I see out there and I and really kind of the harbinger of what could pop this bubble 
is, um, you know, we, 2008 started over a debt crisis, and now we've got more debt than we had back then. But I had already mentioned the Federal Reserve was buying bonds. Well, now they've actually started, uh, I think last October, they started selling bonds. And every three months, they're ratcheting up their program until they get to $50 billion a month. So right now, I've got the Fed selling roughly, I think it's about $30 billion a month uh, within uh Within a few months, it's going to be ratcheted up to 40 billion, then up to 50 billion, where it's going to cap out. And at the same, you also have the backdrop of the Treasury Department right now is having to issue over a hundred billion dollars a month in Treasury sales in order to finance the debt. So traditionally, who was the largest buyer of our debt? It was the Federal Reserve. Well, now the Federal Reserve is not only not buying debt, but now they they just started selling debt. And then who was the second biggest buyer? It was China. Well, it flips between China and Japan. Uh, we're basically, you know, telling China to go take a hike. And so are they going to be, you know, you know, jumping, you know, up, up and down to, you know, start bringing on more and more of our debt? And the third biggest buyer is Japan, who has the highest debt to GDP ratio ever. So, you know, if 2008 was caused by a debt crisis, you know, the debt crisis that eventually will be coming, and I don't know the time frame on this, is going to be even worse. So people who are close to retirement, you know, they need to talk with somebody like myself or, or some of your other guests to help them manage sequence that sequence of return risk and, and some of the other risks that are out there. Okay, um, I actually have two questions based yep. on what you just said. And so I'm just going to hit one at a time so I, it doesn't get too overwhelming. But okay. um, the, the selling of bonds, and the U.S. is selling bonds or instead of buying, uh, and China's not buying anymore. Uh, what does that actually, what is, what is going to be the result of that to to the economy? I mean, the result is going to be we're going to have to pay more money to finance our debt. And what we've seen already is I think at one point, the 10-year was around 1.3%, maybe not even like a year and a half ago. I don't have the exact number off my head. It's around there. But now the 10-year treasury is closer to 3%, or, or last week it actually did cross 3 and so we've had the treasury, we've had the Federal Reserve. I'm not looking at the numbers right now, but I believe they went from a 4.5 trillion dollar balance sheet to now they're at 4.35 trillion. So they've only shed 150 billion dollars, and it's caused the interest rates to go from 1.2, 1.3 ish over to three. And they're supposed to take it down another two trillion. So that's like if you're 500 pounds and you've lost five pounds, and you're telling your doctor, you know, it's like you're at like a heart attack level, and you've only been in. You know, you're telling them, "Hey, we can't do this. This is insane." But you, but now you you still weigh 495 pounds. You've got another 200 pounds to go. And so, you know, basically, we're getting sent into this, you know, crisis mode, and we've barely been able to even scratch the surface. And it just came out last week that the Treasury Department, the first four uh, first quarter of this year, racked up another 488 billion dollars of debt, which sets a record for Q1. And and the it was the second most amount of debt ever for a quarter. The most was uh, the fourth quarter of 2008. So if this is happening during a uh, supposed quote unquote boom time, just imagine what it's going to, what it's going to be like when, you know, if we do go into a recession in another year or two, and all of a sudden we've got to sell, you know, two or $300 billion of bonds a month. Uh, okay. So, I, so, yep. so, so now I actually still think I still have three questions to get okay. to, to yep. really get things cleared up for me personally. So that, you're, so you're saying that the interest rates are going to be up, it's going to cost more to to fund uh, to to fund money and to buy financing. Now, is that going to hit our economy in a negative way? And is it going to be like a currency 
situation where we're going to see a currency crisis as with the dollar. And so I'm kind of throwing in a couple questions. Uh, and then if there's a dollar crisis and a currency crisis, could that then be an opportunity in Bitcoin? If the dollar crashes, Bitcoin could move. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience, sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. Yeah, and ultimately when I think, you know, the first, because I'm not really worried about the first response is going to be. I'm ultimately worried about what the response to the response will be, if that makes sense. So, you know, I fully imagine, I fully envision a scenario where the Federal Reserve is not only uh, stopping their program of selling bonds, but they're actually going to start uh, probably at some point actually um, reversing course and probably having to buy bonds again. That, at, when it comes to that point, it just, you know, I, and I sort of, you know, because in a rational world, you can make these types of predictions, but we live in a very irrational world. And I think one of the best examples is in 2011, when I think it was Moody's downgraded their debt uh, in August 2011. And if you would have had inside information on that, you would have thought that, okay, we would maybe short the uh, treasury market. Well, what happened is it actually some people, so the Moody's came out and said our debt wasn't as, you know, viable or wasn't as safe anymore. And then people then flooded in to buy more treasury bonds. So people are always doing, you know, so in the beginning, the response might be the dollar might actually get stronger because as people panic, they might leave the stock market to go into the bond market. So temporarily, it might be a good move to be in cash or be in, uh, be in bonds. But ultimately, once investors realize, oh, wait, you know, we're going to have trillion dollar deficits for as far as I can see, and there's no way to pay it back. At that point, I think there could be the dollar crisis. And people could be rushing into cryptocurrencies, but in uh, you know in the beginning when, when all this stuff happens, I expect cryptos to probably go down as well, being a risk asset. But it's kind of that response to the crisis, which which will then will be a great time to get in. Okay, great, if cryptos go down seventy percent. Okay, great, that'd be a fantastic time to jump back in. And uh, yeah, there's just a lot of different ways that this can can really shake out. And I. I had a, my daughter screaming in the background. So I forgot the uh, first part. Of <laughs> okay, well that's perfect because it it leads into one more one more thing for me, and that is current people in on, on the five to ten year horizon. Is there any for uh, for their retirement? What steps can they take to help them with their risks, especially when you talk about the I forget what you call it the sequence of risk. Yep. Uh, what can they do? Like specific actions can they take? Yeah, so I think the first thing an investor should really do is try to figure out how much risk they can actually handle. So, you know, I do have a tool on my website. Uh, I use a program called Riskalyze, 
And what, what RiskWise does is it tells you on a scale of zero to 100 to see how much risk you actually can handle. And so let's say you can only handle a 50 risk in your portfolio, because what you don't want to have happen is you don't want to have too much risk. And Because what psychologically what happens is people can only really tolerate about six months worth of in adverse market returns. So in a 2008-like environment, when everything goes down, by the time March rolled around, a lot of a lot of the weak hands had already capitulated. They had already sold. And so great. Now they sold when the market was at, you know, the S&P was at, you know, 600 points roughly. So you want to make sure that you're not going to be in a position to freak out. And then you want to have some sort of financial plan to say, you know, ultimately you should be investing in what you know. You know, so you shouldn't be taking any you know, expert's advice. You know, it really you should, you know, really want to invest in what you know and don't get into things that you don't know. But you should have a plan that says in a plan to create some sort of income. So what I think the best thing to do is let's say you need $50,000 a year to live off of worst case scenario in retirement and you're getting 20 from social security and 15 for a pension. Well, what's the safest way, so to speak, to get that extra 15,000, make sure you at least cover with some sort of guaranteed income or some sort of, you know, whether it's dividends or whether it's rental real estate or whether it's, you know, anything, make sure that you have a way to get a, the amount of income you need. And then let's say you've got another 30% of your portfolio that that's where we can make speculative guesses in terms of, you know, maybe gold miners or maybe foreign stocks to, to hedge. And in, in some examples, I actually think that these, there is an example where the stock market could go through the roof. And it sounds counterintuitive, but in Germany in the early 1900s, they had their currency wiped out three separate times. So I think that, I think they had the gold mark, then the red mark, then the Reich mark. And so if you're just holding back sitting in cash, aka the gold mark, uh, you were wiped out. But if you, we're sitting in Mercedes-Benz stocks. Well, now your Mercedes-Benz stocks mm -hmm. was, was now priced, went from being priced in Goldmark to being priced in the Renmark to being priced in the Reichmark to then being priced in the Deutschmark to then being priced in Euros. Whereas, so it's a way to, you know, just like in Venezuela, their stock market in local term, local currency terms has been up through the roof, but so is their inflation. So, you know, I'm painting a scenario where uh, there's really no way out of this. There's There's no way for the Federal Reserve to undo the damage that they've already done. And I'm saying this as somebody who was on the class that won the national competition on the Fed and someone who also is one of the youngest people ever to pass the CFP exam. And there's no way you can put me in charge of it. I just go and shut it down. There's no way there's, and, and really this is my, the biggest problem that's out there is the Federal Reserve System is ultimately high tech slavery because the first dollar that was ever created December 23rd, 1913 had interest on it. And so at the end of year one, we owed a dollar four on the first dollar that was created. So how do you ever pay back a dollar four with a dollar? Well, then you've got to borrow another dollar. And then right. you've got to borrow another dollar. And so because the money is backed by debt, you can never actually get out from underneath the debt. And it creates this high-tech slavery. And eventually, after, you know, a hundred and however many years, 105 years of them, you know, distorting the market, eventually it's going to get to a boiling point. I don't know how long. You know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of already with Trump getting elected. What it did was it basically delayed all of this because a lot of hope and optimism was out there. And I championed and campaigned, you know, just about as hard as anybody to get him in there. But I wanted him in there because I wanted him to pick up the pieces. And I didn't want Hillary to be out there putting me into a FEMA camp. So not because I thought he could like somehow avert all this, but what, what every time the Fed, so it's like we went through like this, like, uh, this like perfect, this black hole or this hurricane 
And now with the Federal Reserve printing more money, it's like we just increase like the radius of like the eye of the storm. And so, but we ultimately are making the storm bigger. So eventually once we, you know, we got through the first part in 2008, but now we just kept making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually when we hit the other, uh, the trailing edge of this hurricane, it's going to be, it's going to be even worse. And there's, and, and it's however the government responds to this is what I'm really worried about. Uh, you know, but ultimately I think there's ways to make money from this and I think there's ways to prosper. And uh, that's probably why you had me on today. So. Okay, so my takeaway here is uh, to protect yourself from risk is to find other sources of revenue rather than trying to sell at a bottom point. Absolutely. And uh, with another thing that we're launching too is, and it's funny that I didn't I didn't know that your one of your previous guests was uh, Kirk Chisholm, but I'm actually in the process of joining his RAA right now, and they have different strategies that are out there different protected growth strategies where they can, you know, essentially using options, hedge the downside where, you know, if you can, if you're, if your financial plan can only handle, let's say a 10% downside risk, then we can basically build a portfolio where the max drawdown will be 10% and then you'll get most of the upside. Cause ultimately what you want is you want to, everybody wants, you know, most of the upside. They don't want to take on any downside risk. And that's what we are doing. And, um, and I think for people that are close, and again, if you're 30, 40 years away from retirement, it doesn't really matter. But if you're close to retirement, then I would heed this warning because, you know, you've got essentially people have gotten really lucky that it didn't happen, you know, two or three or four years ago, which it could have. Um, and now you've gotten more time to prepare. If you're listening to this now, you still have time to prepare. It's not too late. And, uh, you know, again, no one has a crystal ball of how it's going to shake out, but there's no, I don't really see any rosy scenario of, of how they're going to get themselves out of this. Either we have some sort of deflation and that has its own problems, or we have this inflation and, you know, the average American just gets more poor every, every year. I mean, there's really no, uh, no great way out of this. Well, Tim, thanks a lot yeah. for all of the great information today. Um, I'm actually going to start on my cave that I'm digging to try to protect myself <laughs> from all of this. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, you had shared some really good information. I had a lot of extra stuff I wanted to talk to you about, but we ran out of time. So that means I'm going to have to have you back in the future because uh, it was really fun talking to you. But um, we're going to have all your information posted below the podcast on the website, financeandmarkets.com. Uh, we're going to have it in the YouTube channel. We'll have it on the podcast information. So, so they'll be able to get it. Uh, but could you just tell everybody right now um, how that they can get in touch with you, what websites to go to, uh, to get your, your tools and to get those videos and the, the sheets and all of that stuff? Oh, right, yeah. So if you go to uh, thelibertyadvisor.com forward slash finance and markets, I've got three download offers for your listeners. One is going to be the crypto reference guide or crypto video guide where it's what I think are you know uh, some of the best videos out there explaining cryptocurrencies. Uh, the next was a full presentation on sequence of return risk, which uh, is, I think is an 18-minute presentation uh, where it has all videos and charts of, of all this different stuff. And then the third was a little book that I wrote. It's only 18 pages called How It's Rigged, The Economy, where we get into how the government and, you know distorts the inflation data, the unemployment rate, and the GDP data because, you know, all this. And, and that's something we didn't really get into too much today. But, you know, when Trump was a president, he called 
this, you know, the unemployment numbers, the biggest joke of all time or such phony numbers. And now today he's out there touting, you know, the 3.9% unemployment numbers. If you want to know <laughs> the worst the, numbers. <laughs> yeah. If you want to yeah. know what the, what the yeah, real story funny. behind these numbers are, I couldn't find a good place for it. So I was like, screw it. I'm just going to create my own. So if you want a nice boil down of how to do this or refute, you know, your friends who are talking about how great everything is. And, and really I'm a political atheist. So I don't really care, you know, if, you know, about the Democrats or the Republicans. That's why it's libertyadvisor.com. That's how you guys can get a hold of me. I've got, you know, a Facebook page too. So yeah, so just get a hold of me there. I've got a is your, is your on podcast on that page too? Yeah, they should be able to get a hold of my podcast on there as well. And it's, uh, the site's still, uh, you know, it's still a work in progress because I, I had to make that, is, your listeners don't know, but I left my prior firm because I wasn't allowed to speak on blockchain at a conference. So I had to leave the firm that I created. Uh, now I'm in, as soon as the government, you know, grants me the approval, which should be any day now, I'll be back up and running. But yeah, that website has more than enough information on all sorts of different subjects, whether it's retirement, investing, crypto, economics, stuff for millennials. Uh, should be a you know, good one-stop shop where you're going to get, you know, the a different perspective of the story. Now, you're not going to get the CNBC perspective of me. Yeah. And so if that's what you're looking for, you're looking for the CNBC perspective, sorry, not not for you. But if you're looking for the good uh, contrarian information, then hope, uh, hope we'll have a lot for you. Well, all I got to say is, you know, we'll have that Liberty website up as soon as the government gives you approval. That'll be great. We'll have freedom as soon as you get that rubber stamp from the government. As soon as the crown says I can go, we'll, we'll be going. <laughs> I was being a little bit sarcastic there, yeah. but yeah. But anyways, uh, thanks a lot for the thanks. for coming on. That was really, really fun talking to you. Thanks for having me, Casey. Thank you for listening to the Cashflow Hacking Podcast. If you want to get the show notes, just visit our podcast page at financeandmarkets.com. Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.